Welcome to the Achievement Playbook, a tool of empowerment for young people to aid their success. I'm Eric Stevenson, Executive Director of the Chad School Foundation in Newark, New Jersey. This is the Achievement Playbook. I'm Eric Stevenson, and this episode is Let's Plan Life. Your success requires it. Thank you for joining us again on the Achievement Playbook. We've talked a lot over these last episodes about having the right mindset, developing your personal equation, being able to forgive yourself, live with yourself, and give to yourself. All of these conversations really become opportunities for us to build up to planning our life for success. So let me start by saying, this is a working session of today's episode of the Achievement Playbook. So we're just not sitting around listening to what I have to say. In reality, I hope that every session is a working session and that you're writing down good questions and taking strong notes and doing whatever you got to do to think critically about the thoughts and experiences that I'm sharing with you from my own life. I also want to say that as we talk about life planning, and that seems so, so big, right? It seems so enormous, that what I'm sharing with you is not the end-all, be-all. Trust me, I'm not that egotistical. This is simply me sharing with you some of the things that I have begun to think about as a result of my own personal experiences, my own personal failures, my own personal accomplishments, things I've been taught uh, in school, and things that others have shared with me. So this kind of life planning that we're talking about tonight is just my perspective. And it isn't actually all of my perspective. It's just a perspective about life planning. So I would encourage you, as you're on your journey to achievement and success, to look at things that you can incorporate in your own life planning, whether you develop it yourself or whether you get insight from the life planning that others have done. When we talk about life planning, I also wanna say that there's an academic component to it as we talk through this episode about let's plan life. So I want to give a disclaimer and give some acknowledgement and citation to two of my former professors who unexpectedly helped me think through my own life planning. Some of what we'll talk to through tonight is based on some learning that I actually had from a class when I was a graduate student at Harvard. Seems like yesterday, but it's now more than 10 years ago that I was a student earning a master's degree in education. And while I was at Harvard, I took a class at Harvard Business School that really surprised me. And that class was called Building Business in the context of life. And I'm given that acknowledgement and citation for this class and the two professors 
Professor Howard H. Stevenson and Professor Bashkar Shahrivardi because these two men challenged me to think about myself and my own life planning in ways I didn't think I could be challenged in. And so I want to acknowledge them, one, because I'm, I'm, I'm using notes from their class, so I want to give a proper citation, but also want you to know that um, for me, this academic learning had some value. And so we'll walk through this and talk through some of these important key steps so that you can understand it and hopefully see the value in it as I now see the value both for my life today and when I first experienced this as a graduate student at Harvard. In essence, challenging you and by extension challenging myself to think about greater achievement, to stretch the capacity of our mind to the possibilities of what we can achieve is exactly what the Achievement Playbook is about. I got my notes in front of me, and as I said to you earlier, I hope you have yours. So the first thing I wanna do is I want you to think about a personal SWOT analysis. And if you've never heard of a SWOT analysis, it's an analysis of strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. Big concepts, but when you break them down, they kind of make sense. And then you see how they affect and impact one another. So let's start with strengths. When you think about your strengths, you should really be thinking about the things that set you apart from others. The things that set you apart from others. That doesn't mean that one is good the other is bad. But what it really means is how will you distinguish yourself in the room if there is in fact a room? Or how will you distinguish yourself from others whom you may encounter so that you are remembered for what you did? It's almost like singing a song. If there was a singing competition among great singers, it doesn't necessarily mean that anybody's a bad singer. I just said they were all great singers. But if you're singing, what is your distinguishing characteristic? What is your strength that distinguishes you as a great singer from the other great singers? So something to think about. If you're an artist, among great artists, what distinguishes your artistry from others? What is your calling card, so to speak? So think about your strengths as points of distinction, points of things that distinguish you from other people. 
not better than others, but what is your distinctiveness? And if you've never really given it any thought, think about it. Do that level of self-assessment. Play back in your mind, again, those things that you do well and begin to really hone in and focus on your strengths so that when it's time for you to perform, sing that song, display that art, whatever it may be, people will know that it is you. Think about some other strengths, which may be much more common. Are you flexible? Are you determined? Do you believe you're smart? Are you creative? Are you whatever these adjectives may be that define a strength for you? Ah, then let's look at weaknesses. When you think about weaknesses, think about the things that you need to improve. We don't need to go through a long list of things that one could improve because in many respects, there are so many individual characteristics by which need our attention in our lives that there could be any number of weaknesses by which we need to address and figure out ways to make the proper adjustment, to adapt, to compensate for those weaknesses that we are challenged with. But when you think about weaknesses, the most, the most critical part is to think about how those weaknesses impact your productivity. And what does that really mean? What that really means is if you're a constant procrastinator, but you've got to get something done, figure out how to overcome procrastination. Figure out some activities that will lessen your procrastination and increase your productivity. If you're a person who is nervous, speaking in front of other people, figure out ways to reduce that nervousness. Conventional uh, speech giving says, find some point in the room to look at and don't make eye contact with folks because they may make you nervous. Find some corner or object in the room to focus on so that you don't have to focus on the people who may make you nervous. There are any number of strategies that people use to kind of offset their weaknesses and compensate for them. So you take the time to think about some weaknesses that you have that you need to adjust for and how you will adapt yourself to make sure that the weaknesses don't stop you. That's the key point. We don't want the weaknesses to stop you. We think about opportunities. What are the opportunities that you can capitalize on because of your strengths. What are the opportunities? 
that you can capitalize on because of your strength. I said earlier, if you're a great singer among other great singers, you want to find a point of distinctiveness, something that sets you apart. Well, if you're a great singer, you may not necessarily be in the dance competition because dancing ain't singing. You may be able to sing until the sun rises the next morning, but can't dance a lick. So your opportunity, your venue for success, if you will, is the opportunity to demonstrate the strength, to be in places where you can show yourself and demonstrate to others that strength that you have that sets you apart. So really opportunities is about figuring out what lane you're gonna be in, where you can be most productive, most successful, the opportunity where your strengths outweigh or outnumber those weaknesses. That's key because oftentimes we want to be masters of everything. And it's not important to be masters of everything. It's important to do well in what you can do well. Now, that's not to say that you don't focus on those weaknesses. We already said it's important to focus on the weaknesses. But it's just as important to recognize areas by which you can excel. Because as we've discussed previously, when you find those areas and those opportunities where you can excel, they help to boost your confidence. They make you feel better about yourself. It gives you a record of achievement, a report that you can reflect upon to think about and help propel you into more achievements, more wins, and an ultimate success that you, that you want for yourself. So be selective, be intentional about the opportunities that you seek. And then the last category in this SWOT analysis, we've talked about strengths, we've talked about weaknesses, we've talked about opportunities, is threats. Now, of the SWOT analysis, Threats is one of those things that's kind of difficult to really explain in a way that makes sense when you're a young person leaving high school, getting ready to go into college, or you've recently begun college. Uh, because a lot of times we don't think about threats in a real kind of day-to-day -day practical way. Day to day, I know what my strengths and weaknesses are. Day to day, uh, I know the opportunities that I'm willing to uh, look at, right? I recognize the risk of raising my hand and whether or not I have uh, nervousness when I'm getting ready to speak. Or, you know, I know whether or not I'm the person who's going to do this or do that, whatever this or that may be. 
in terms of seeking opportunities. But when you think about threats, what you really have to think about is those anticipated and even unexpected things that can crop up to throw you off track. When you think about strengths and you think about weaknesses, you can create your list. However complete or incomplete the list may be, there's a list. When you think about opportunities, uh, it's almost like answering the question yes or no. Can I sing? Okay. I'm going to enter the talent competition as a singer, not a dancer, because I can't dance. I'm going to go out and play basketball rather than baseball because I can shoot a shot rather than being able to successfully catch a ball in the field. So you know what those opportunities are. Experience has demonstrated to you what are the opportunities you can seize upon and what opportunities you can pass on or pass up. Threats, though, is a completely different phenomenon, if you will. As we speak right now, in 2021, the world is going through a global pandemic. That global pandemic has become a threat to so many areas of our lives. And if you'd ask someone two years ago if they thought a global pandemic would have the impacts that it's had on our world as it's had today, many people wouldn't even conceive this. Despite the fact that the threat of pandemic is not new. The threat of pandemic has been with us, but as a threat, it's not something that you think about in a way that you plan and see its application until it really kind of happens. There hasn't been a pandemic of this magnitude in nearly 100 years. And so think about if you had to plan for a potential threat that happened so infrequently that if you planned for it as if it were to happen uh, on a constant or consistent basis, you'd almost be uh, stuck thinking about that threat. And it's not until you experience the threat do you say, whoa, let me make some changes or the, or, or the threat itself compels you to make some changes as many of you have experienced in your own lives with respect to school. Think about the threat of the pandemic and how that threat has changed how we attend school, how we look at education, how we look at learning in a new and in many ways, completely different way than we ex have experienced at any other point in our life prior. So when you think about threats, you're thinking about those unexpected, unanticipated things that can come up that changes 
your approach to doing things. So you think about if you're a student who has a scholarship, as we give out scholarships to the Chad School Foundation to aspiring college students, that you've earned your scholarship, you're now on campus as a freshman, and you were a celebrated high school student, and now you encounter some challenge at college that somehow has affected you academically. And now you don't meet the GPA requirement for your scholarship. So now there's a tremendous threat that you may encounter. You may lose your scholarship because you've not kept up academically for whatever reason. And so losing academic scholarships and additional financial aid because of a poor academic performance is a real threat that many young people experience and encounter. And although the threat is there, and the threat could potentially be real for any student, not everybody experiences it. But as a threat, you recognize the possibility of it. I hope those examples are good ones to make you think about the threats that could potentially come in as you're doing your own kind of personal SWOT analysis. Of course, other threats to think about. You can think about how uh, losing a loved one can somehow or another stop or slow down your progress. When I was a 20-year-old uh, sophomore in college, my mother died of breast cancer. And it completely changed uh, my outlook and trajectory of academic achievement. I was so grief-stricken that I couldn't perform academically. As I was a freshman, entering freshman in college, I knew that there was the possibility that my mother may succumb to breast cancer at some point when I was a student. But I hoped and prayed that it never would occur. But so that was a threat looming over me. And then ultimately, despite all of my thinking about it, all of my mental consumption of it, not until it actually happened, the threat, that real threat of losing someone instrumental to my life, not until my mom actually died did I realize just how impactful it would be. So I guess the real thing to know about threats is what will be your response if the threat becomes real, if the threat moves from being a threat to being reality, how then do you respond? I know for myself, it took me years to respond. It took me years to reclaim 
some of that ambition. And even today, I look back on what I consider to be valuable time lost. Albeit grieving legitimately because losing someone close to you, particularly a parent, is especially difficult. And so I had to learn too to be able to move forward and to be able to put that reality, that threat that became a reality into the context of my life, but not make that threat my life, if that makes any sense. In other words, I had to figure out how I was gonna deal with the threat when it became a reality and how I was gonna move forward. So that is what you really had to think about when you think about the threats, because all of us will have threats to our success, to our achievement, to our happiness, to our careers, whatever the case may be. The real learning is what the response will be if the threat becomes reality. So take some time. Think about that personal SWOT analysis, your strengths, your weaknesses, the opportunities, and the threats. Last thing I'll say about the personal SWOT analysis if you think about strengths and weaknesses, strengths and weaknesses are really kind of things that you deal with. Again, I said we can make our list, make our list of strengths, make our list of weaknesses, and you can work on those things. The opportunities and the threats, sometimes those are outside of our control as we talked about whether or not you're a great singer among singers, sometimes you may have to wait for the talent show to come around in order for you to demonstrate your, your talent. Sometimes the opportunities you can create, but sometimes those opportunities come in cycles. And when they come in cycles, you gotta be ready for them. So again, this is really just, again, talking about things that we've been talking about all along, preparing, winning the day, being ready when it's your time, being able to seize upon those opportunities that others may create and that you can then seize and make those opportunities yours for the win. And we know about threats. We know how to deal with them. What is our response going to be? So let's talk about a little bit of life planning. And this is, again, where I have to give my, my citation and reference to my two former professors, Howard H. Stevenson and Bashkar Chakravarty. Because the life planning aspect is important. And many times we live life 
without doing any planning. Sometimes we just keep moving without any planning. Sometimes it works for some, and sometimes it may not work. Sometimes you may literally have to stop in your tracks and try to figure out the next moves. But in figuring out those next moves, you got to get movement to your moves. So life planning is about looking at both the now and the future. Life planning is recognizing what do I have to do today so that the dream that I'm dreaming can be realized in some future day. So I want you to write down a few questions and really take some time to answer these questions. We're all mature people here. So there are no one word responses to the questions that I'm asking and challenging you to ask yourself. Remember, you're listening to the Achievement Playbook for a reason. You're listening to the Achievement Playbook because you believe there's some value in the dialogue that we've created over all of these episodes. And so in the same way that you have taken the time to listen and to engage the Achievement Playbook, I'm asking you to take the same time to engage the questions. Think about it. You're writing about yourself here. You're answering questions about yourself here. And so you've got to dedicate some time for yourself so that you can learn some more about yourself. And so I won't tell you how much to write, but I want you to really think critically about your responses. In other words, as we go through this exercise, don't short yourself. Think about them. Think about the questions. Think about yourself. Take yourself seriously and engage in a way that will help you learn more about yourself and help you along this plan and path for progress that will lead to achievement and success. So the first question you have to ask yourself, and this is a present day question, is who am I? And you think that's a simple question. <laughs> I know who I am. But I'm not saying, what is your name? I'm saying, who are you? You have to be able to ask yourself, who am I? Not who I want to be, but who am I right now? It's a critical question when you think about yourself. You know, when I took this class now more than 10 years ago, and that topic came up, who am I? I responded by saying, I am the composite of all of my faith, fear, ambition, disbelief, successes and failures, 
I am the product of my relationships, for each has taught me something. Now, this was my response 10 years ago. I'm not sure if now more than 10 years later, if I believe that this is a complete response of who I am now. But who I am or who I was then made me think about all of those things, the faith, the fear, the ambition, the disbelief, the successes and the failures, because I'd experienced them all. I'd gone through them all. And all of them were pulling on me, tugging on me, challenging me in ways that I didn't anticipate. The second thing you should consider, and we talked about this when we talked about strengths, is what are my distinctive characteristics? Again, this is going to be very similar to your strengths. What are the things that distinguish you from others? What sets you apart? What is unique to you? What, and even when you think about those characteristics and those things that are unique to you, can you, can you combine a couple of them to where those strengths just aren't acting independently, but they're acting interdependently, meaning their reliance on one another allows you the capacity to be even more distinctive to potentially do some things that if you thought about those distinctive characteristics separately, you might not be able to do. But thinking about, your way, thinking about yourself in a composite way makes you think about how distinctive you are and can be. Third question to ask yourself, and again, this is right now. This is not some future cast because we need movement right now. We can make some progress right now. And as you've heard me say before, the achievement playbook is for the A student who seemingly has it all together and for the non-A student trying to get it together. So there's an opportunity of learning for all of us here. So this third question is, what's important to me? What's important to me? I'll tell you why that's important, no pun intended. It's important to know what's important to you now because the importance of things to you will drive you. What is important to me? It's a tough one. Because again, we could answer that question in many ways and far too simple a response. Well, what's important to me? I want to be happy. Okay, what does that mean? We'll talk about happiness later. I want to, you know, uh, want I want food. I want, you know, shelter. You know, you, I want these basic things, and those basic things are important. 
and we will in no way diminish the importance of those basic requirements. But when you think about what's important to you, think about it in a way that allows you to really build some achievement around those things that are important to you, around the what that is important to you. Because if you think about it, and, and let me speak from a entrepreneurial standpoint, if I may. If I want to be an entrepreneur, but I'm trying to be an entrepreneur in a field or an area or a business for which I have no interest, how successful do you think I'm going to be? I've got no interest. This, this business isn't important to me in any kind of way. I have no interest in it. Am I really going to be successful? Probably not, because I'm not going to give it my all, because it's not important to me. You know, when I answered this question as a student, I said, and, and, I, and, I, and I'm going I'm to admit here, I shorted myself when I answered this question. I gave a good answer, but I still shorted myself. But I understand the answer that I gave. I said generosity, a willingness to share and mentor success. Well, I'm doing that right now with the Achievement Playbook. I'm exposing some of my success and failure, sharing some of my knowledge and experience, being generous, if you will, and maybe generous is too strong of a word, right? But I'm demonstrating a willingness to share and mentor success. I remember some years ago, Teach for America, New Jersey invited me uh, to speak to a cohort of Teach for America, uh, to a Teach for America cohort. And they came to my office in downtown Newark. And, you know, one of my team members introduced me because the whole conversation with this Teach for America cohort was about leadership. And my staff member that introduced me surprised me because he talked about the lessons of leadership that he had learned from me. And I had no idea what he was going to say. Had no idea he was going to talk about uh, me. And, you, and if you've ever had the experience of someone uh, speaking, uh, speaking pleasant and kind words about you in front of others, you know, it's, it, 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 uh, it makes you feel a certain kind of way, right? When, you, when you're actually hearing things about yourself and you've never heard them from the person that's saying them, makes you think about, wow, is that me? But the staff member that introduced me said, you know, uh, Eric Stevenson is the type of leader who 
wants to make other leaders. And I thought that was a tremendous compliment because I'd never thought about it in such a practical way. I just knew that I wanted to share. I knew that I wanted to mentor success. I know then, as I know now, that we need in our community, we need more success. We need more mentorship. We need more examples for our young people to be able to look to. We need more young people to be examples for their peers. So I was especially appreciative of that compliment. And so that's one of the reasons as I continue to do this work and want to see success for young people, want to see our communities transformed by the power of education and entrepreneurship, why the Achievement Playbook is so vitally important. And it's my hope as we do this podcast, as we talk through success and achievement, that there are other achievement playbooks to follow. There are other examples by which to build upon. Next question, how do I define success? How do I define success? Critical question. And when you define your success, think about it in two ways. When you think about how do I define success, I want you to think about it from a value standpoint, what it is that you value. What is your vision as you think about your life right now? What is your vision for your life right now, based on what you know, based on what you've experienced, based on your ambition, based on your strengths, your weaknesses, the opportunities before you, the threats that could potentially make you make a change? What is the vision you have for your life right now? As we talk about values, values are critical. And although there can be some shared values, right? We want peace and prosperity. We want to make sure that, um, that we live in a world that is free of X and doesn't have Y. You can fill in the blanks there. We all also have an individual set of values that are unique and particular to ourselves. And these values have been shaped in our minds and in our lives based on experiences, upbringing, whatever the case may be. So think about how do I define success? 
based on vision and on values. Now that's some kind of at the 30,000 foot level, right? Because again, your values are your values. Hopefully, you don't have a set of changing values. Hopefully by now in your life, you've established what you value and the values that you have. And as you think about vision crafting and crafting a vision for yourself, think about that ambition. Think about that ultimate success that you want to achieve. And I also want to say, when you think about vision and how you define success, that is not in competition or in conflict with the first question that I asked you to challenge yourself with, which is, who am I? Because if you think about it, your vision is the future. The who am I is the now. And there is some space in between that we've got to deal with to move from the now into that future success, into that cast, into that ambition. The ability to articulate a clear and comprehensive vision of yourself for the future is highly dependent upon who you are right now. When you also think about how you define success, and this is really the more practical part about it, you gotta put in place some success metrics. And what is a metric? A metric is just a measure by which you determine whether or not you can check the box on whether or not you got it done. So I remember when I was a young person and um, I would ask myself, okay, wake up in the morning, go work out. Did I work out? Check. Did I do these things? Did I, did I, can I check the box every day on these things? In my habit forming, um, in, in the habits or whatever I do, my day to day, you know? And if I can't check the box that day, how did not being able to check the box affect the rest of my day? So having some success metrics for the day and for the days leading up to the incremental goals that you want to achieve. Because if you go a few days without being able to check the box, not holding yourself accountable to a measure that says whether or not you're on track and on pace, anxiety will begin to crop up in your life if you don't have those kinds of success metrics. Very important to determine that. Because there are some short-term goals that are important to achieve and you've got to be able to measure them so that when you challenge yourself the next time for the next goal, you'll know how to create better measurements, more effective measurements, and your analysis of those measurements will become even better. Next, I want you to think about some long-term goals. Long-term goals. Now don't think, again, 
I'm being redundant here. I'm not being redundant. He said, well, wait a minute. You said, sir, you said, sir, earlier, how do, I how do I define success? What is my vision? But isn't my vision my long-term goals? Mm, some might say that. But I'll share something different with you. So when you think about your vision, your vision and how you determine success is about the narrative that you will create. And I know we've talked a lot about sports figures here. Easy to, to, to kind of make these points about sports figures. And so if you think about LeBron James, and I'm going to take some, some, uh, some license here with some of these thoughts. Haven't talked to LeBron about this, uh, so I'm just going to say that this is what I would say. So LeBron James, how does he define success? I don't know. But what I'll say is maybe if you are LeBron James or you're a basketball player or any kind of person who's highly ambitious like LeBron James, you may define your success by how many championships you've won. Your vision as an individual competitor may be, I want to be the best I can be. And that becomes your vision. Do you see the difference? The difference is I have a vision to be the absolute best at this. I have a vision to be a doctor who serves in my community because my community needs doctors who understand the challenges that people have who live in the community that I come from. So it's my vision to be a doctor. And I will define my success by the treatments that I deliver or the level of care that I deliver by which people can speak highly of the things that I have done as a doctor. See the difference between defining success and having a vision? Now let's talk about long-term goals. Maybe as that doctor who's come back into the community, you have a long-term goal of opening up a health clinic. Oh, I'm sorry. You have a long-term goal of opening up 10 health clinics and a short-term goal of opening up one health clinic. The short-term goal is in reach. You can achieve it. The long-term goal, which is a little bit further out, takes a little bit more resources, takes a little bit more time, takes a little bit more of you know, people supporting you, people believing in you, you being able to do things that you hadn't done before to where that short-term goal, which seems is in your grasp, I want to go be a doctor in my community so that people in my community have a good doctor. So your mere presence as a doctor in the community becomes an achievable short-term goal. The long-term goal to open up 
one clinic and then eventually 10 clinics. That short-term goal of the one clinic then helps inform the long-term goals of opening up clinics all across the city that serve people in a much more impactful way. But even with those short-term and long-term goals, doesn't change your vision of wanting to be a doctor who has transformed the community with quality care and doesn't transform how you will define success, meaning that you have disrupted a negative pattern of inadequate healthcare delivery in your community. The success is that you have done it. Let's pivot back to LeBron. So you're LeBron. Your vision is to be the greatest basketball player ever. And your success likely will be determined by winning multiple championships. But if you're a young LeBron, your goal, your short-term goal, is to get that first championship. Or maybe your short-term goal as LeBron was playing for his hometown uh, team, the Cleveland Cavaliers, you just want to make the playoffs. And then you make the playoffs this year. And then the next year you make the Eastern Conference Finals. And then you get to the championship. And hopefully you win. But you've got to be able to set goals. Short-term goals, long-term goals. And those goals have to be more measurable. You've got to be able to put some meat behind those goals because putting some meat behind those goals, making them measurable will make you accountable. And that's what you want. And that accountability then allows you to continue to whether or not you're looking forward or you're looking backwards. It's a bi-directional look at success and vision. Are my goals aligning up? Are my goals aligning with the vision I have for myself? Are my goals aligning with the success that I want to achieve? I'm gonna say that again. Are my goals, whether they're short-term or long-term, are they lining, are they aligning or lining up with the vision I have forecast for myself or the success that I want to achieve. It's crucial to do that. We've talked earlier in the achievement podcast, I mean the achievement playbook, that very few of us stumble in our some stumble into our success. Nope. There's a plan. You need a plan on a path that allows progress for you to achieve the success based on the ambition you have for yourself. Lastly, and this is similar again to the weaknesses, but it's similar and not the same. You gotta think about the issues that you're struggling with and how do you compensate for them. We talked about that earlier when we talked about weaknesses. 
the issues I'm struggling with. Why is it important to think about the issues that you're struggling with? To look at some of the weaknesses that you're willing to acknowledge? It's important because if you don't give them the necessary attention to make them better and correct them, they may have the tendency to still plague you. They may have the tendency to slow you down. So let's think about college students, issues college students may be thinking. What's the first, first issue comes to mind for me is that oftentimes as students, we don't have the financial security. We don't have the credit. We don't have sometimes the means and we become overly reliant upon uh, things to stay in school, whatever those things may be. You know, borrowing money through student loans more than you need to. You know, if you have to borrow money and have to take out student loans, I certainly did. You know, make sure you only take out exactly what you need in order to get done what you got to get done academically. But dealing with the issues, confronting the issues is important because sometimes if we're not honest about the issues that we're dealing with, somehow or another, as we continue to make the progress, right? Because the issues sometimes are very difficult to leave behind, they're with us. And they may not crop up every day. You may not be confronted with some issue every day. And so you have to find a way to, when those issues do come up, a way to manage them. How do you manage your issues, manage the issues, whatever the case may be? Everybody's dealing with different things that could impact their progress. You got to find a way, as we talked about, um, even those threats, as we did the personal SWOT analysis, what will be your response to the issues when they come up? Critical to think about issues. You're not governed by them. You're not determined by them. Hopefully, uh, the issues that you do face and deal with are minority to the strengths, which should be majority. But an acknowledgement of the issues will allow you to work on them, deal with them, confront them when they come up, and know what your response will be if they do have some impact on you. And the last thing as we talk about this kind of life planning is that you got to think about some of these things that similar to the threats, right? You got to think about some critical milestones. We talked about long-term and short-term goals. Some of those critical milestones, such as achieving your goals, you got to take the time to celebrate yourself 
and recognize and acknowledge that your achievement is on a good path. I know you want to stay on your grind. You don't want to stop to acknowledge it, but I'm telling you, being able to pause for the cause and to be able to acknowledge the progress that you're making is good. The responsible way to celebrate is to celebrate, acknowledge, and then keep grinding. Get back on the path because you know you got some other stuff to achieve. And then as we talked about threats earlier, you also got to figure out what is your response ability? And I said that word that way intentionally, right? We know the word responsibility. But if you break, let's, let's split that word in half. You got to determine a response ability, your ability to respond when things get disrupted. And not be so shaken that you can't take the detour. I shared with you earlier that as a 20-year-old sophomore, my mother died while I was in school. And I didn't handle it the right way. I didn't respond in a way that both allowed me to grieve and also allowed me to continue to succeed. I didn't understand the necessity to live my life on parallel tracks, if you will. The ability to be able to live with tragedy while still attempting to triumph. I'm 48 years old, so now, I'm much more critical of my former youthful self than I probably should be. But I'm saying that we all have to be able to recognize uh, and create a responsibility when the unexpected happens, when the tragedy happens. We've still got to triumph. Because I think about it, right? Um, I'm sure my mother would have hoped that I reacted differently than becoming insular in thought and depressed and not going to class and ultimately leaving school that semester. Because she had a hope for me to succeed in the same way I had a hope for myself. And although folks around me were telling me Oh, it's okay, you know, you do take whatever time you need. You got to get right. You got to do all these other things. It's okay to grieve. I still knew in the back of my mind that there were some things in life that I wanted to achieve. And despite this great tragedy of losing my mother, that if I stopped right there, in other words, if I, if, if I pitched my tent right there at that tragedy and didn't 
continue to pursue the success and my ambition, I'd be stuck right there. And 20 would turn into 22. And my friends are graduating and I'm still stuck. Yes, I've experienced something that I didn't anticipate, but I have to find the way, find the strength, find the courage, find the faith, find the alternative path, seek the relationships, whatever the case may be, get some guidance in order to move forward. Now, the tragedy you may experience may not be the same as the one I experienced, but it has to be the ambition for your success that is your driver. You've heard me say time and time again, you cannot be defined. You are not defined by any situation or circumstance. That applied to me then, it applies to me now, and let me be bold in saying it applies to you also. Does it mean that you're a bad person who's going through a bad, doesn't mean just because you're going through a bad situation that now you're a bad person and you've lost your opportunity to be the person that you expect yourself to be. It means that now you've got to deal with what you're dealing with and put it into the context of the greater life that you want to have for yourself beyond that moment, beyond that situation, beyond that circumstance. As we close, I want to share with you some definitions of some things that, or some words that we're all familiar with, and they all apply to life. And what I want you to do if you're taking notes is I want you to write four circles. And this isn't like a Venn diagram, right? But these are four circles that are barely touching one another. So if you think about it, you write one circle at the top, one circle right below that other circle, and then one to the left and one to the right. Hope I explained that correctly. Four circles, because there are four key learnings, four key definitions that I want to leave you with. So let me also say, as I gave the acknowledgement and citation to my former professors, that these are my definitions. So if you use my stuff, make sure you cite that you got it from me. Don't give anybody else credit for these definitions. In my quiet time, as I was thinking about what I wanted to share in this episode of the Achievement Playbook, I came up with these definitions. So the first definition, so what I want you to do is in that top circle, I want you to write the word happiness. And in that bottom circle, 
I want you to write the word significance. In that circle to the left, I want you to write the word legacy. And in the, in the circle to the right, I want you to write the word, all too familiar word, achievement. Now, these circles are things that they made us think about in this class at Harvard, building business in the context of life, which was all about entrepreneurship and all about being able to have your all have the family you want, life you want, money you want, career you want, entrepreneurship you want, make the investments you want, and still be you. Get it? Building business in the context of life. So these words I got from the class, the definitions are mine. So first definition, happiness, happiness, happiness. Happiness is a state of mind brought about by a moment in time that encountered something. Happiness is a state of mind brought about by a moment in time that has encountered something. I gave you my example earlier about losing my mom as a 20-year-old college student. Dropped out of college for a time. Had to find my way back. In that, that moment of my mother dying clearly was not a happy moment. And clearly today, nearly 30 years later, it's still not happy. I still grieve the death of my mother. But nearly 30 years later, I am happy to be married to the woman of my dreams, to have two sons who I love talking to at 5.30 in the morning when they wake up and they have all kinds of questions of the day. And so I take that unhappy moment and I balance it with these happy moments in the context of life. I was a 20-year-old college dropout. And now, with a master's degree from Harvard, a law degree from Rutgers, working in a field, serving my community, and I think it's important. But I'm only doing today what I'm doing because I was willing to challenge myself to move past tragedy and find triumph. Therefore, happiness is about balancing those moments. Happiness is about determining hope rather than being fixated with despair.
Let's move on. The achievement box, circle, I'm sorry. The achievement circle. We've used the word achievement quite a bit. I mean, the podcast is called The Achievement Playbook. And so you can only imagine when we talk about achievement that there must be some great definition to achievement. But I'm going to keep it simple here. Achievement is simply realizing the goal that you have set to accomplish. That's what achievement is. So I really want you to think about achievement as uh, goal setting and realizing goals. Goal setting, achieving the goal. Goal setting, okay. Remember those check boxes? Even if you think about the achievement playbook as a title, right? It's an achievement playbook, which then suggests that there are plays within the book that you run in order to achieve. That there's not some miracle, that there's not some one thing, but there are a series of things that you do to achieve. There's a playbook. There's some designs. Short-term achievements, long-term achievements. But remember, you got to have some success metrics. They're measurable, and you can hold yourself accountable to it. As we drop down to that bottom bottom circle, right? I must wanted to change them to boxes rather than circles because I keep saying boxes. But that bottom circle, because all of these things are connected, right? And maybe the circle is the is the better uh, geometric shape to use here. Is significance and significance seems a little bit more. Uh, ambiguous or lofty than happiness and achievement, right? Significance seems like it's a little bit more difficult to define. And so because that is the case, I really want you to get this definition for significance. I mean, I must say when I wrote this definition and I look back on it, I, I was actually pretty impressed that this was the definition. And this was out of the top of my head. So hopefully no one else has defined significance like this. But I define significance is what you did that then becomes recognized by you and others for the impact that it has. That's significance. Let me say that again. Significance is what you have done or what you do that becomes recognized by you and others for the impact that it has. I hope that makes sense. I hope that's clear that when you think about significance that 
significance means that maybe that doctor who opens up the health clinic in her community or his or her community because there are uh, people in the community are being underserved, that someone recognizes her contribution. That that doctor has become a game changer. That's the importance of significance. That we can point to a contribution and determine that that contribution has made a difference. That's the importance of significance. And lastly, that last circle, legacy. Legacy is one of those often used terms. We think about what will be my legacy? What is my legacy? Well, I define legacy is that legacy is how you will be remembered and how your life and your life's actions become lessons for others now and in the future. Let me repeat that. Your legacy is how you are remembered and how your life and your life's actions become lessons for others now and in the future. So you may ask, well, are significance and legacy the same? Nope. They are different. No less important. No one is not more important than the other, right? We said significance is the thing that you did that becomes recognized by others for its impact. So if you think about that doctor who opens up the clinic in the community, people can point to those clinics, talk about their impact, talk about how they serve folks, uh, that is her contribution, a particular contribution of significance. But if you think about her legacy and how she will be remembered and how her life as a doctor has become something that people point to, her life and the actions of her life become lessons, right? Now you can go back into your community and serve. You can do what others think is crazy. And you know it is the thing that can really change lives. And people will recognize it now and well after you're gone. That's legacy. So begin to think about happiness, achievement, significance, legacy. Put some words to them. Use these definitions. Build your own definitions. But it goes in a cycle, right? So if you think about those circles that I asked you to draw all touching one another, happiness at the top, 
achievement, I'm sorry, happiness at the top, significance at the bottom, legacy to the left, and achievement to the right. Four circles, barely touching one another, all connected. So think about it as if it were a clock that goes in a cycle, right? This is turning clockwise. We begin with the basis and basic need of happiness, right? Being content with yourself. Being able to determine those things that make you happy. Because now when you're in a contented state, right, and you're not depressed and you're not dealing with all that, uh, the tragedy or tragedies or the disappointments, when you're in that happiness state, now you can find some focus, right? When you find that focus, now we can set some goals. So we move from happiness once it's been established into achievement. And now we're making some, we're, we're making some progress, setting long-term and short-term goals with some metrics of accountability. And then as we continue to move past achievement, we now land at significance, right? And then as we talked about earlier, right? It's all coming full circle. Can you forgive yourself? Can you live with yourself? And can you give to yourself? Let me personalize it. That is exactly what I had to do in my own life's journey to move past my own personal tragedy of losing my mom in order to find, again, a happy place. When I hit the yard at the University of Illinois in the fall of 1991, I thought I would run the yard. I knew who I was. I was meeting with the chancellor and the university president and sitting on diversity committees and helping friends get elected student government association, actively involved in the, in the party scene, and bam, tragedy hits. And now I'm shut up in my apartment, not wanting to talk to anybody, depressed and downtrodden, because the most significant person in my life has died, and I'm not reacting in the right kind of way. Grief has taken over me, and now I can't achieve. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not setting goals. I'm not interested in setting goals because I'm not happy. So now I found that happy place, able to move to achievement. Now I can look at significance, right? I know now what my contribution has been to the work that I do now as the executive director of the Chad School Foundation, an institution of power in the community of Newark, New Jersey. I know my resume and the contributions I've made in other opportunities. I know the issues that are important to me and the things that I support and the things that I want to continue to contribute to. 
I know where I want to be significant beyond work and career. And then lastly, when I think about legacy, right? And how I want to define my legacy and how I want hopefully to be remembered. I'll share, you know, these three things with you. Although I hope my legacy is much greater than these, th th these three things, right? So one, for myself, I want to be known around the world as someone who is committed to transforming education and transforming communities like Newark, like the South Side of Chicago where I grew up. That's what I want. I want to be one who has been recognized for significant contributions and building community wealth through education. I believe education is a great equity generator for our community. And it has been education that has lifted many out of poverty and many to aspire to achieve careers and successes that in many ways only education could provide. So I know firsthand and by seeing the success of others, the power of education. The legacy I want for my family, and this is just really basic, I want my family to be financially secure. I want my wife and my children and my children's children never to have to worry about anything financially. And so I put in the work now so that hopefully my legacy will provide for my family well beyond my own life. And lastly, when I think about my community, and this just really becomes uh, a, a, um, a greater than, <laughs> a greater than less than problem, right? I'm gonna make it really elementary. For the community, I wanna see increased education and entrepreneurship and decreased murders. That's what I want to see. That's what I wrote more than 10 years ago. Because in the community in which I was raised, it seemed as if there was more crime than achievement. That somehow, somehow or another, young people were not on the proper path. And we still got to get on the right path. We've got to make education and the fruit that education can provide and the power of entrepreneurship pursued in the right way. We have to use those as tools, as the utilities they are to take ownership in our community, to take leadership in our community, to empower our community, 
to build success in our community that others in the community can see and recognize. And then here's the important thing, to replicate that success, to start a cycle of replication. Because if you think about it, if there can be a cycle of degradation, a cycle of chaos that is created, crafted, generated, then equally so, and much more so, we should be able to create and replicate success in our community. A book that hopefully you will put in your own personal library. I have given this book out to every Chad School scholar that's been awarded a, a scholarship from us since I've been the executive director of the Chad School Foundation since 2016. It's Dr. Martin Luther King Jr.'s last book, Community or Chaos? Where do we go from here? The words written in that book are as relevant today as when they were written in the late 1960s. We still have an opportunity to transform ourselves and thus by transforming ourselves, elevate what our community can achieve. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you for listening. Hopefully you took some notes. Hopefully this was helpful and beneficial. Thank you for listening to the Achievement Playbook. I'm Eric Stevenson. The Achievement Playbook is brought to you by the Chad School Foundation, where we offer scholarships, leadership workshops, and link young people with mentors. So visit us at www.thechadschoolfoundation.org and get connected with Chad's work. Be sure to subscribe to the Achievement Playbook on iTunes, Spotify, or whatever listening service you're currently using today. We'd greatly appreciate it if you left us a review and shared this podcast with other young men and women who can benefit from this powerful series. Stay tuned for the show. And remember, achievement is within your grasp.